It's not often you get to sit with a billionaire business owner who spills the beans on exactly how he built his global online business from scratch and how he used great copywriting and a unique entrepreneurial mindset to achieve. But today, we do just that. Hello, I'm Bernadette Schwert, and this is So You Want to Be a Copywriter, and it's all brought to you by the Australian Writer Centre and the Australian School of Copywriting. Together, we are the creators of Australia's most popular copywriting courses for those who want to learn the art of writing great content. Want to dip your toe in the copywriting waters to find out how you can get paid to write from home? Check out copyclub.com.au and discover the fast-track way to become a highly paid copywriter. But first, let me introduce you to our very special guest of the day with some rhetorical questions. Just quietly, how good are rhetorical questions? Did you see what I did there? Enough with the banter. How do two Israeli brothers with no money, basic tech skills and patchy English build some of Australia's most successful online businesses with a combined exit valued at more than $1 billion? Well, it's a good question. And Gabby Leibovich and his brother Hezzy get asked it a lot, which is why they wrote a book. And that book is called Catch of the Decade. And it was released a few months ago and went straight to number one on Booktopia and Amazon on the first week of release. Now, this is a podcast, so you won't see his face, but you'll almost certainly know some of the brands that Gabby built and sold for more than, as I said, $1 billion in just 13 years. And those brands include Catch of the Day, now catch.com.au, Menulog, Scoopon, Luxury Escapes, and many more. Now, I've asked Gabby to come on the podcast because as copywriters listening, you're starting a business too, potentially, from scratch, just as Gabby and Hezzy did 13 years ago. And I thought I'd get Gabby on the call to talk about the entrepreneurial mindset behind starting a successful business. And not to mention, Gabby built most of those businesses without spending any money on advertising at all in the early days. And he just did it through great blogs, great copy, and he was the copywriter for many, many moons in those early days. So welcome, Gabby. Well, nice to be here with you, Bernadette. It's uh, great to hear that it's a podcast because I thought that it's actually a video one. And I was proudly holding the book to show your audience that uh, they're going to have to go to Amazon or Booktopia or Catch to buy one. <laughs> exactly. I didn't have the heart to tell you. Um, <laughs> now, maybe Gabby, you can tell the listeners how we come to know each other because it's quite a funny story. So uh, quite a few years ago, I don't remember when it was, uh, after you released your first book, actually you reached out to me with uh, when you were writing your first book. Uh, what's the title of it, Bernadette? Secrets of Online Entrepreneurs. That's the one. It's still a number one seller. I saw it uh, selling at uh, Office Work recently. So it's amazing that it's uh, lasted uh, that long. That's, that's, uh, that's a testament to, uh, to, to your writing. Uh, so you reached out to me and you actually, in that book, you interviewed a bunch of entrepreneurs. How many was it, Bernadette? About 50. About 50 uh, entrepreneurs. And I was lucky to be uh, one of them. And I remember when you arrived at our uh, office in uh, Mulgrave, the one with the famous slide. Uh, and, um, you know, and uh, there's a certain page or two in the book uh, talking about Catch of the Day, myself and some of our lessons. And when we decided to write a book after we sold uh, our business to West Farmers, and that was in late uh, 2019, I looked at my, uh, you know, almost uh, bare library at home, because I have to say, I don't read business books, Bernadette. And one, yours was one of the few books over there. And being the only Australian author that I know, I reached out to you for advice in regards to publishing, writing, and so on. At the time, I did not even know what copyright, uh, what, uh, what ghostwriting actually means. Uh, you explained it to me. And uh, just like the way we do business, our second chapter in the book starts with the lines, 
good ideas by midnight, execute by midday, uh, we, you know, we hired you immediately and we started working on the book. And hasn't it been a joyful experience? Oh my God, there's so much I can say, but I'm going to leave it uh, to off record. <laughs> so, Gabby, um, you've had some incredible experiences and I think what people sometimes see is you're on the front page of BAW, you're on the Fin Review, the awards, etc. But what they don't see is the hard work behind the business. And I've been privileged enough to work with you for nine months to see that. And I, I just want to share that with people because I think if people are going through hard times with, with their work and their business, they think, oh, I shouldn't have to be doing this. I shouldn't have to be feeling this. But you did it hard. So maybe you can talk us through the early days. You know, what was it like selling at the market? So just talk us through those early experiences. And we can go really far to life in Israel, selling at the markets. Probably best if I start around uh, 2004 or so, which was a turning point until 2004. And by the way, then I was uh, 34 years old. So uh, to all of you out there thinking that you're, uh, you know, old and inexperienced, uh, you know, we started quite late in our career. Uh, my brother, Hezi, who is my partner, is six years younger. So he was, uh, you know, 30 at the time. And the reason we didn't start any earlier selling online, because no one has uh, discovered online uh, earlier than that. Uh, we started selling on eBay, literally from the, uh, from the garage at home, going every day to the local post office in Caulfield. I'm going to go to that post office uh, tomorrow because I just found out that uh, our book is starting to sell at post offices around the country. And uh, that moment of seeing that book in that post office is going to be, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> definitely one that I'm looking forward to. Uh, yeah, we were selling on eBay, just like thousands of other sellers around the country. Uh, why did we do that? Because we had to feed, I specifically had to feed our kids. I had one daughter at the time. We were, we were just looking for a job. Many people ask us, uh, when you started, uh, you know, selling online, did you think that it's going to become that big? And the answer is, of course not. You know, we often refer to ourselves as accidental entrepreneurs. Uh, it just happened. But did it just happen? We wrote the whole book with 300 and something pages explaining how it happened, why it happened to us, and touching on lots of elements like luck and execution and building teams, surrounding yourself with smart people, and, uh, you know, lots more lessons like that. Well, one of the biggest challenges you had in the early days was getting people to sell to you. And, and that's what copywriters do. You know, they're starting from scratch. They don't, haven't got a, a database or a list. So what sort of theories and um, lessons have you got for when you need to sell to people and they shut the door in your face? I've got a really good story for you that I've never really told you before. And uh, sometime around 2009, we needed a really good copywriter. And we placed an ad probably on Sika, I'm guessing, uh, looking for a copywriter. And as you can imagine, hundreds of, uh, you know, applicants applied in the traditional way. And one application that I will never forget was from a lady called uh, Becky. Uh, she lived in Frankston, I remember very clearly. And what Becky did is she took one of our old catch of the day uh, product uh, descriptions and she completely reworked it. And that was her application. And guess what? Becky was our head of copywriting for the next uh, five years. She immediately got an interview and she immediately got a job. Uh, so it's interesting today, if we're talking to copywriter, that's definitely a, a memorable moment. Uh, it almost made it into the book. I was thinking of putting it into the book, 
But as you know, Bernadette, when we wrote the book, our biggest problem was eliminating some stories because we had so many stories that need to be told, but not all of them made it to the book. And this one did not. It's a great story and very relevant as well. And yeah. what you're saying is do something different. And that's what you've always done, isn't it? You've always done something different because you've been in a fairly competitive space. You were competing against eBay. So talk us through about doing things different. You know, you don't have to be um, original, I think. It's just uh, do it differently. What's your thinking? Yeah, I was on a podcast today by a smart company and the whole topic of uh, that was uh, a challenging year that we have just experienced. And uh, you, you, during that year, there's quite a lot of people that have not succeeded. Uh, some that have succeeded by default, you know, e-commerce is one of them. But uh, the topic today was very much about those that uh, had to pivot in order to succeed. So a company that was in the space of uh, building stages for events started making tables for people that were working from home. Uh, and, and the message is thinking outside the square, waking up, grabbing ideas and, and executing them uh, you know, immediately or as soon as, as, soon as you can. Uh, we talk in the book about taking risks during the day, you know, and every entrepreneur has to take risk. It has to be part of your DNA. Uh, if you can't take risks, chances are you are not made to be an entrepreneur. Uh, and it's something that, you know, for myself and my brother, very luckily, comes uh, very naturally. We love taking risks. We've been doing it throughout our life. And chances are we'll continue, uh, you know, doing it in, uh, in years to come. So I hope that I'm touching on so many elements here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you talk about risk and you took sort of minor risks in the beginning. And then you took major risks as your business got bigger. Sure. I think a lot of people maybe perceive risk to be the big stuff, you know, the committing $20 million to an automation of a factory, which you did. But sometimes it's a risk like the Moby Ball, you know, you spent 20, 30 grand on buying this really dud ball <laughs> and it really cost you, but you learned a lesson. So uh, what's that story? Maybe share that with us. Look, the Moby Ball is a, is a cute story. It appears in the beginning of the book because it happened around 2002. Uh, before we, uh, you know, became a little bit more successful online. Uh, again, I was 32 years old at the time. I probably had in my bank account about $40,000. And I took $30,000 of that. And uh, I discovered a product in uh, China called the Moby Ball. The Moby Ball was a soccer ball made out of plush material that uh, you could place your mobile phone into it. And as soon as a call comes in, the ball will sing, ole, 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 ole. Uh, it happened around the same time as the Japan-Korea World Cup of 2002. Uh, in the book, I clearly mentioned that I'm a bit of a soccer fanatic. And being a soccer fanatic, I thought that the whole world would love the ball and will purchase it and will make it a huge success. But uh, as it happens, uh, none of that uh, eventuated. Uh, I ended up throwing most of those balls. I spent a lot of time trying to sell them in various markets. In the book, we say that we've gone to the Mumba uh, and, and so on. Uh, but that was a major risk. I took three quarters of everything that I owned and I've put it all on, uh, on, on, on a certain chip at the casino. Uh, we mentioned in the book quite a lot of times that we are not gamblers by nature and I never go to the casino. And if I do, I'll probably bet $50. But uh, when it comes to business, we have this, uh, you know, great appetite, hunger and risk. Uh, we mentioned in the book again, Bernadette, it's a great line that we came up with that uh, taking risk is a trait that becomes easier with repetition. You know, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And of course, uh, the numbers will become larger as well, uh, the more you can afford to, uh, to spend. <clears throat> 
So again, in that Moomba festival that you talked about, there was a moment where you told me it really struck with me, was stuck with me where you were telling this Moby ball at a stand and there's all the this dagwig does next door and there's popcorn on the other side and you're being completely ignored and everyone's just walking by you. And you said to me, you know, it was kind of humiliating. And you said you've got to get comfortable with humiliation. And I thought that was a really interesting concept because there's minor and hundreds of humiliations in business, isn't there? You know, people don't respond to your email. They don't respond to your phone call. Uh, they choose someone, you know, other than you. So that's a factor of life, isn't it? Being an entrepreneur is getting comfortable with that. Back to the Mumba, it was even more embarrassing than that because I just got married and my wife was there next to me trying to sell those shitty bowls that no one wanted to buy. And she must have thought that she married a real idiot, you know? <laughs> uh, well, speaking of your wife, because this lends to something else, yeah. um, you know, you talk about asking, you know, these risks. You ask for something and you may be slapped down. You know, but you have always been amazing at asking. Well, I can see where you're going, so I'm going to take it from here. Yeah, you know what I'm going to say. Six months prior to the shitty Moby Bowls, uh, we got married. Again, I was 32. Um, my wife was 25 at the time, just for reference. And I'm a soccer fanatic. And by complete coincidence, uh, an English Premier League team called uh, Leeds United is playing a friendly match at uh, what it is right now, Marvel Stadium, against a team from Chile called uh, Colo Colo. Uh, being the uh, the Israeli with strong chutzpah uh, and risk taking, I sent an I sent an email to the organizers asking them to organize us a wedding at halftime because that has been my lifelong dream. And guess what? The reply was positive. <laughs> they had absolutely no halftime entertainment, and we became the halftime entertainment. It ended up being my Bucks night. You can see it on YouTube if you type Gabby Leeds wedding. And uh, it was certainly one of the most, uh, the happiest uh, days of my life. And, <laughs> and the cheapest the wedding of, you've ever had. That's right. And the moral of the story, Bernadette, is sometimes in life, all you have to do is ask. No one knew Gabby at the time. No one knew Catch of the Day at the time because it didn't actually exist. I just asked the question. I did not expect them to approve it. But guess what? Sometimes they do. And, uh, and I got married on the grass. <clears throat> <laughs> so, Gabby, with your businesses, you, you've often been very clear that you don't have to be the best and the most original. Um, talk us through where you look for your inspiration. Like, you know, Catch came from an American company. And so from a copywriter's perspective, look to America, look to other companies to see what yeah. they're doing. Can you yeah. talk us through the word, the word concept? Look, so we mentioned quite proudly that uh, a lot of the businesses that we have turned into Australian successes were not original ideas. And uh, let's be honest, it's so hard to come up with an original idea anymore because all ideas are really get, generally getting spied by something else. It's a modification of something else that you've seen. But what we've done in many cases is we've imported interesting concept, most likely from the USA, uh, brought them to the Australian market. So I'll talk about Catch, for example. Catch was inspired by an American company called Wood, W-O-O-T.com. And what was that first company in the world that came up with that crazy, silly concept of selling one deal a day? And uh, prior to uh, launching Catch of the Day, we were selling uh, on an online department store that we called uh, dailydeals.com.au. We are talking uh, 2006. Long story short, we liked the American concept and we brought it to Australia. And, uh, you know, as they say, the rest is history. Uh, the same thing happened when we spotted an American company called Groupon back in April 2010 launching a very interesting uh, model of uh, sales that I'm not going to get into right now. And we, you know, we replicated it and we called it Scoopon. 
But uh, at the time that we sold Scoop on Bernadette, you know, about 80 Australian uh, copycats of Groupon appeared on the Australian market. And, uh, you know, within a couple of years, there, was, there were only two playing, which was uh, Scoopon that was owned by us and Groupon themselves. So a lot of the time, it's not about the idea. It's about so much more that, of course, relates to execution, uh, timing, and, uh, and the people that are by your side uh, helping you, uh, you know, build that business. <clears throat> Gabby, there was a moment in your business career where things really broke open in a good way because you were having trouble getting those those branded suppliers to sell to you. Um, and it was this moment where you went to an event. And the reason I want you to talk about that story is because it's about networking, it's being out there, and it's creating your own luck. So can you just talk us through, firstly, Mazal, the concept, and then the, the, uh, the micro um, Ingram event uh, where things really changed for you? So uh, Mazal is, uh, is a Hebrew word. I'm Jewish, of course. And by the way, Bernadette, I, de- I deserve Mazal Tov today because today we appeared for the first time on the Jewish news. Back, uh, <laughs> you know, had my grandparents were alive today, they would be very, very... Oh, happy. that's so lovely. Congratulations. <laughs> and, you know, out of all the stories that were done on us at the BRW and Financial Review, uh, today I'm probably the most proud. <laughs> oh, that's sensational. Uh, Mazal is, is composed of three letters in Hebrew. The first one stands for location. The second one stands for timing. And the third one stands for uh, learning. And we think that, uh, you know, luck is a combination of all those three. It's location, it's presenting yourself, it's doing those podcasts, it's going to those conferences, events, it's knocking on those doors and shaking hands. Timing is self-explanatory. There's a lot of businesses that either appear on the scene before their time or or, or after their time. I won't uh, elaborate on that. And the third one is learning. And we learn every single day. And you asked me before, what do we do and what's going to happen next? I'm not sure, but I can tell you, Bernadette, I'm educating myself every single day by by listening to podcasts, by reading the financial review, by by seeing what's happening around the world, by seeing what's happening in Europe and Asia. And hopefully something in my mind will come up with that next next big thing. It hasn't happened yet. It's been the year of Corona. But uh, as I've been quoted in a number of publications, uh, I really think that 2021 will be the best time ever to launch a digital business as well as uh, invest in a digital business. And I don't even remember what was your question. <laughs> it was about launching, uh, breaking through and, sh- and knocking down some doors at that Ingram micro event. Yeah. So you're referring to uh, you know, a certain story that we told uh, in the book. Uh, the year was roughly about 2008. Catch is about two years old. And the biggest problem that we are encountering is that most suppliers don't want to sell goods to us. Why don't they want to sell goods to us? The main answer was, sorry, guys, uh, we only sell to companies that have a bricks and mortar presence. We don't deal with what we were known as pure play onlineers only. How funny it is right now, uh, Bernadette, as we are exiting Corona, hopefully, and uh, in e-commerce pure players uh, is the talk of the town and, and traditional retailers are struggling in streets and shopping centers all around the country. Uh, long story short, I found that there is an event at uh, Jeff Shed uh, by uh, the biggest distributor of uh, computer products uh, called Ingram Micro. I didn't have an invitation to that event. And uh, what I did was, um, you know, get dressed uh, nicely, get to the event at 8 p.m. or whenever they opened it. And somehow I find my way through the door. I don't remember how. I'm guessing it's a mix of chutzpah, arrogance, and pushiness. And uh, I armed myself with 100 or so A4 pages that explained what our business was. It was daily deals at the time. Uh, It included my email number and a bunch of statistics about the business. 
And, uh, and I went to work. I couldn't believe my luck. And within the next two hours, I managed to shake as many hands as I could of all the top uh, sellers in the country, companies like HP and Microsoft and, uh, and Asus and, and, and so on. And, um, you know, when, 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 when we look at our business and, 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 and it's, and it's a roller coaster story, I really think that that moment was really special because for the next three months, we managed to get so many amazing deals uh, in that computer electronic space, which uh, generated uh, a lot of sales, a lot of new customers discovered uh, catch of the day for the first time. And, um, and, and it was a start of, you know, lots of great things. <clears throat> I think that story is important, Gabby, because a lot of copywriters listening might think, oh, they can maybe hide away or not connect or, you know, do those things that you need to do. And I think, you know, getting out and networking as, as painful as it is for certain people, but it's one deal, you know, one client can change everything. And it, it's just that, that factor that you, you have to be out. Talking about copywriting, I've got another interesting story that touches copywriting. So one of the reasons that Wood was successful in the USA is, is there copywriting? And if you log on to wood.com right now and look at the write-up, it really hasn't changed that much. It's got that chutzpah, arrogance, humor that, that, you know, that created an amazing following. And we really fell in love with Wood and we were reading their copywriting every single day. Interestingly enough, about seven or eight years later, we reached out to the copywriter at Wood, a gentleman by the name of Jason Toon. And... Uh, and he, of course, knew of catch or catch of the day at the time. Long story short, we brought Jason to Australia and, uh, and, and, and he became a catch employee. So uh, amazing. So just, just that, let's talk about copywriting because you did the copywriting for catch in the early days. What's some of your tips for good copy? Look, I'm not a copywriter, let's say that. And those that have been listening to us uh, so far can see that I probably speak with a few errors. English is not my first language. But when you start a business and there's no one else that can do it, then it somehow became my job. Because in the book, we clearly state that in our first two years, we only had about six employees and everyone did everything. And somehow copywriting fell on me. Why? Because I was probably better than anyone else. And I cared about the product. And I was also the buyer. Uh, at the time, but uh, it was a very special period for me. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I've got my own style of copywriting, which is probably my style of talking or the style that we wrote uh, the book that includes, um, you know, it's very salesy kind of copywriting. It's uh, the kind that basically says, uh, take it or leave it. Uh, if you don't take it, you're going to miss out because uh, someone else will come and grab it. Uh, I love the whole FOMO concept that stands for fear of missing out. And uh, a lot of our, a lot of the business of catch was based on that FOMO element, whereby uh, in the early days, we only sold one product a day. That product appeared on the page at uh, midday. And uh, quite often the product sold out within a day, five hours, four hours, or sometimes even 20 minutes. The reason it sold out is uh, because it was probably a great deal. It was a limited offer, but the copywriting had to match the uh, style of what the business was. And I'm very proud of that style that we introduced in the into Australian, uh, you know, e-commerce. And your blogs are long, you know, and they were really regular. Maybe talk us through that consistency and the importance of that. Yeah, so in the early days, we used to send uh, monthly blogs mainly to our suppliers. Those blogs included 
uh, a lot of what I call trumpeteering, a lot of telling everyone how good you are and giving them results of what we've sold. In the last month, we've sold 10,000 of X and then we've sold another 20,000 of Y and that happened within 30 minutes and, and, and so on. And uh, in the last month, we've dealt with company Y and with company Z and we hired X amount of employees. And uh, those blogs were then sent to our employees. They were mentioned, they were left on our website for our consumers to read and they were sent directly to our suppliers. What happened then? People love to deal with winners. And if you tell people that your business is successful, chances are people will be very comfortable uh, in, 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 in respecting you and wanting to deal with you. Everyone wants to deal with a winner. And if, if you are a winner, we always believe that you should be the person to tell the public that you are successful. Uh, that led later on to a lot of uh, PR. We talk in this book about the power of great PR. Well, I actually say that PR is worth its weight in gold. And we got a lot of free PR. And as you can see, even today, after I sold the business uh, a year and a half ago, I'm still excited to get a story at the Jewish News. <laughs> and, uh, and behind me right now, your audience can see, but there's a sticker that has the Catch of the Day logo on it. And we always believe that you should put that sticker and the logo in front of cameras. The more people see it, the more respect you will get, uh, the more suppliers will want to deal with you. Customers will come to you. And, and it's just a snowball that just kept on growing. Um, anyway, we're touching on a lot of elements today, Bernadette. Yeah. Well, Gabby, the, um, the concept of clap for yourself and the rest yeah. will uh, follow is important because a lot of copywriters listening, uh, the sense that they, they feel it's boasting or it's bragging or they feel really uncomfortable uh, talking about themselves. Yeah. What, do, what, do you, what do you say to people when they, they feel that way? Look, I don't, let's not talk about an individual. Let's talk about the company. The reason I want to do that is because I wasn't there to say, hey, here is Gabby. He's good looking and he's the best in the world. It's not. Someone had to do that for, for the business. And since we had no one else in the building that was willing and, and able to do that for the business, I took it on my shoulders. Am I the perfect person for it? Most likely not. But in many cases, the media loves to talk to the founder of the business. They're not interested in speaking to the CFO or the head of logistics or the head of HR. They may be if it's a related article on that specific segment or topic. But in most cases, they want to speak to the uh, to the founder. And, uh, you know, some people might call me arrogant. Others will call me a colorful character. And, but there's one thing's for sure. I say it the way it is and I wear my heart on the sleeve. And uh, I can tell you from experience that the, the media and reporters do like that. It worked for you in a big way. Mm. Um, there was a night where you, I think you're on current affair and in four minutes of a segment, you sold what a million dollars in TVs. So maybe just talk us through what tips on PR can you give to people listening who are looking to get some? So I don't remember them all. We wrote about a bunch of pages in the book about, uh, about PR. I mentioned earlier. So every time we went on TV, I made sure that I'm wearing it a big shirt with a catch of the day logo. The reason I do that, Bernadette, because whenever a show is like channel, uh, like the news or a current affair, do a story about e-commerce, they most likely will interview about three or four different companies. And by the end of the four minute segment, you don't actually remember who you spoke to, but if you show them the logo and it's in their face for a whole minute, you can't imagine what a four minute segment on a current affair can do to a business like us. And in the early days, it was truly, a um, 
you know, a ceiling breaker for us, whereby 30, 40, 50,000 people registered to our email database uh, overnight. And that translates to a lot of dollars. And also um, the, the concept of saying yes to something, a lot of new copywriters starting out are very fearful of trying something new. Mm. And uh, they'd rather have all the ducks in a row yeah. before they start. But of course, that never happens. And so therefore, lost opportunities occur. But there's been many opportunities and situations where you've had big chances and you've said yes, even if you didn't know you could do it. Can you talk us through some of those um, experiences like Adler? Yeah, there's a famous line. It was actually said by uh, uh, Richard, uh, what's his name? From Virgin. Branson. Richard, mm -hmm. Richard Branson. And he said something along the lines of when someone offers you a great deal, just say yes and work, work it out later. Uh, work it out later how to, how to figure it out or what the solution is. Uh, you are referring to an interesting story uh, in the book uh, whereby uh, we just started dealing with Australia's leading uh, luggage company called uh, Entla, Entla Luggage. And uh, just out of the blue, it was around 2009, we were not such a large company, we had about a 4,000 square meter warehouse. And we get a call from Antler with a deal that uh, was about a million dollars in terms of purchasing value, but about a 900 pallets space. <coughs> Excuse me. And our warehouse was full at the time, Bernadette, and we could not fit an extra pallet into the warehouse. But the deal was just too good to be true. The prices were truly unbelievable. And uh, being great buyers, we didn't want to miss out on that opportunity. Long story short, there was a warehouse across the road from us that uh, has just become for lease. We jumped at the opportunity. We rented that warehouse for a period of a year. Uh, and, uh, and it ended up being our best uh, deal of the year. Um, and again, the lesson here is find a way. Find a way. There is always a way if there's a will. <clears throat> So Gabby, in wrapping up, um, how important is copywriting to a business and, and why should people who are copywriters really believe that what they've got is valuable? Look, we're living in a really interesting uh, period where uh, e-commerce is becoming, uh, you know, front stage, front page news. Uh, I'm guessing there's so many more roles available for copywriters right now, just within that segment that I'd like to talk about because it's a segment that's, uh, that's close to my heart. Uh, by the way, that Jason Toon that came to catch, uh, he left the business after we left the business, and now he's working for uh, for Red Balloon, uh, a huge Australian uh, success story worth a couple of billion dollars. Oh, you mean Red Bubble? Sorry, Red Bubble. You're absolutely right. Mm. Red Balloon is a different business. Mm. Uh, Jason is working for Red Bubble as the head of uh, copywriting. My message over there is that uh, look at everything as a as a as a stepping stone. You know. Because uh, chances are, if you have worked for a company like Catch before, uh, your doors will be open to uh, many more avenues that can take you to, uh, to other places. I'm going to leave you with uh, one last story. Our first, our second copywriter, a gentleman called uh, Carlo Cagilli. He was a copywriter and photographer in 2006, 7, 8. Uh, Carlo was our only copywriter. He was working extremely hard. But while he was doing that, Carlo was listening a lot. And he was learning a lot. And we discovered that Carlo has the ability to be to, to go into something else. And uh, when I left the business in 2019, Carlo was the head buyer for fashion, for accessories, for sports, and for shoes, earning a lot more money, being super successful, and being one of the top 10 people at Catch. Uh, the message there is, it can take you elsewhere. It's all in your hands. <clears throat>
And and on that note, Gabby, uh, to those copywriters listening, I never thought I'd be ghostwriting your book. And that was one of the highlights of my professional career as well, working with you for nine months and to see the book do what it's doing. And so I guess when you have a skill and it's the ability to manifest ideas and to put them into a logical order that's engaging and, and attractive, you know, there is no telling what you can do. So on that note, I just want to say thank you so much for firstly the opportunity to write your book, but also to uh, for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Gabby. Thank you, Bernadette. It was a pleasure working with you. We'll do it again sometime. I hope so. Catch dot two. <laughs> I'll leave you with three of the best, worst jokes you've ever heard and my top tip of the day for getting started as a copywriter. Did you hear about the two people who stole a calendar? They each got six months. What's the best thing about Switzerland? I don't know, but the flag is a big plus. I told my best friend she was drawing her eyebrows too high. She looked at me quite surprised. And the tip of the day, if you had three hours to chop down a tree, you should spend the first hour sharpening the axe. Find out more about our courses at writercentre.com.au and copyschool.com to see how you can sharpen your axe. Connect with me on LinkedIn for some great tips, templates and events. All the best. Take care and bye-bye. This is Bernadette Schwartz.